Good morning, and if it's elsewhere in your region, uh, good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to the second episode of the Skill Points Podcast. Uh, I am Sam, and joining me today is Q. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. We've we've luckily made it to a second episode. This is surprising, at, at least. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think we've got something going, so we should probably uh, keep the momentum up and work on what we've got, maybe improve on what we did uh, over last time. I'm actually trying to build suspense by making it seem like we we don't have this covered, but we we have this covered. (laughs) Yep, we came prepared this time, so uh, we'll kick right off into what we've heard this week. From what I can see here, there's some rumours that there's going to be an updated version of the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, uh, I think these are light rumors. I don't know how heavy they are. Um, If anything, we would have learned, we should have learned about it on the 11th. I didn't get any news on it on the 11th, so I don't know. Um, The 11th being the first day of CES. um, So that launch, that event started yesterday. Um, It's usually, it's held in Las Vegas every year. Las Vegas. Uh, But this year they're doing it um, digitally. So it's a virtual event. And people someone had an image online floating around somewhere i saw it on twitter and it was about a new switch and the specs included bluetooth support for like headsets and stuff like that and uh you know faster you know i think it was like faster processor and gpu so it, it can do 4k and you know native 4k and a couple other things and a, a new special dock that wasn't like the, the regular dock and some other features, I can't remember the others, but the one I, I think for me that, that seemed the most interesting was the Bluetooth one because I don't like the idea that I can't really use Bluetooth headphones, you know, headphones on my um, on my Switch because the Switch has Bluetooth technically speaking for like the controllers, but it doesn't work um, for like other devices basically. So if you want to use a Bluetooth headset or anything else, you, you just can't. I um I hear yeah. I mean I get really annoyed the times I do plug my headphones into the Switch. I get up and then I pull the switch with me as I walk away. <laughs> so I've, I can see that uh, I can see that being an absolute godsend. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've been reading into it in regards to um, this, the supposed Switch Pro, uh, someone from the hacking scene had uncovered some stuff. Um, this person in particular is well known for the Atmosphere uh, custom firmware, mm-hmm. uh, and he discovered this while um, data mining uh, mm-hmm. information. Um, interesting thing to note is yes it's i'm pretty much getting uh getting similar information to you um mm-hmm. it's got a different um it's got a different chip which advertises itself as a 4k uhd multimedia mm-hmm. and i believe that's to give us at least you know 4k docked which will be interesting to see yeah uh, you've also got better better cooling and battery life which is great because um battery life is probably one of the biggest issues i actually have with the switch Really, you take yours outside, like out of the house. Yeah, I um. Whenever I went overseas, I actually took my switch with me, played it on the plane. No, I took my i. I always take mine when I travel as well. But the thing is, is that it always lasted long enough for me. Given like flight time, I mean, granted, you've been on way longer flights than me, but average flight time between like I don't know, like say five to eight hours or something on average to to get to my destination. Um, switch battery lasts in roughly about say three hours and most of the time when I'm in flight I'm not playing so I'll basically like my 
my travel time is usually broken up into segments. So there's a segment where I sleep. There's my sleep segment. That's probably roughly about, say, three hours or something, roughly, on most flights. And then I have a segment where I watch, like, something on the telly. That's usually the tail end. It's usually um, whatever they have on showing I'll watch something on the tail end of the flight. And then somewhere in the middle, I'll play some game on the Switch or something like that. So that's fine in, be- in that middle slot. So it usually my battery is still running before I land in my destination. And But primarily, I think I play my Switch docked or, you know, if I have it on me and it's not docked, it's because I'm in bed. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think I ever really used mine outside of it being in the dock most of the time. So. Yeah, as you said, my flights are significantly longer. So when you're sitting on anywhere between 12 to 16 hours on a plane um, and you're a boring individual like myself who doesn't like watching TV shows and doesn't watch anything, um, video games seems to be my, my only solace. And one time when I did go overseas, I actually forgot to take my Switch charger with me. Not that it would have really helped anyway because uh, I would have needed a different uh, a different plug um, and the switch uses a USB-C adapter to charge. Yeah. Can you use like um like have you ever tried using any like standard USB-C cables to charge your switch or do you just you always use the switch one? I have. Um so when I went to when I went to Canada and um in 2019 I bought a USB-C charger and took it with me. And that was the one that you used when you when you needed to charge. I also bought like a little stand thing that I could plug said USB-C charger into. So I had a wee stand sort of set up. Cause I'm, I've always, ever since that time when people's switches started getting bricked whenever they use third-party um, chargers and docks and stuff like that, I've been very skeptical as to what I use to charge my switch. But if it if it's working, because right now I've been wanting to get a second dock, but I don't want to buy one from, like, the Nintendo ones are too expensive. And I've been really tempted to pick up one of those third-party ones for maybe 20 quid or something on Amazon. Because the, the thing is, is that whenever I have to go downstairs to play Switch with the family, I need to take the dock with me. And the dock is set up in a way upstairs here in the office. So I can stream easily onto, you know, like when I need to plug it in and stream. And I, I hate having to like unplug things and then set it back up again. I just like everything to just stay the way it is and don't move, you know, structure. But um, I've been very skeptical about actually getting a third-party dock because i'm afraid what if my switch gets bricked you know and i think nintendo has like a like their warranty doesn't cover uh your switch being bricked by third-party stuff so even if you were to say hey you'd still have to spend a lot of money to sort of thing and not just that but also your data is locked to your switch isn't it so if you if your switch was to get bricked and nintendo were unable to retrieve your data you'd basically just lose it altogether. It's not like it's stored on your SD card or something because every all data is like locked to that particular switch, if you know what I mean. Unless, of course, if you have that Cloud Nintendo thing, I, I think that may help, maybe. I, but I don't have that. So The dock that I... Uh, the little stand dock thing that I have was actually a, an official Nintendo one. It was only the charger that was third-party, uh, but the charger I bought third-party because it was also used to charge something else I'd taken with me on my flight which conveniently also used USB-C charging. So it was killing two birds with one stone, really. Okay, that's cool. I mean, because to me personally, the only two devices I have that use USB-C is my phone and the Switch. And uh, yeah, I just don't take risk with the Switch right now at this particular moment. I think maybe if I had multiple Switches, I'd take more risk. <laughs> I'd be more... like I'm, I'm more of a risk-avert person when it comes to stuff like that. Especially because of the fact that I use it for work. If it was something that I didn't use for work, then pff, couldn't be bothered. 
but I do use it for work because I stream from it and I do reviews and all that kind of stuff so yeah but I mean back to the the topic at hand the, the switch pro rumors if it's true I would actually want a switch pro specifically just for that Bluetooth headset support um, the 4k aspect of it I don't really care I mean my monitor is 4k so obviously the games will look better on the monitor but as they are now they look fine to me <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not really that bothered I mean visually speaking i'm fine with the visuals on the switch at the at the moment as it is right now you know when i run it on my telly downstairs or i run it on my monitor up here in the office it looks fine you know it looks pretty fine you know every now and then i play a game that doesn't look as good but then again i'm not much of a graphics whore i'm not one of those people who's just like it has to look crisp 4k ultra hd i must see the pause and the characters no i think it's once the game runs fine and i'm having fun I'm, i think i'm good yeah You've got um you've got the facilities to capture 4K footage anyway though if you had to right at the moment no I don't think so I think I can only capture um 1080p um through my capture card my capture card is the Evo Media Mini so I think that only does up to 1080p for capture I think it does 4K pass through if I'm correct but not 4K um capture I think that's the the spec for it I do plan to upgrade it. I do plan to get another one. I, mean, I remember Even Media put um, they put out a press release last year, and they were they were talking about their, another line of um, of capture cards they had. But at the time, I was just so I was just overwhelmed with everything that was going on with me that I just didn't even bother to like request one, which I should have. It would have been a good um, piece of tech to have for for capture and streaming and all that kind of stuff. Granted, that being said, I don't actually use 4K footage in anything really because. Even when I edit and render stuff um, for reviews or streams or whatever, it's usually 1080p. Like, I don't put anything out there that's 4K as of yet because of the fact that most people aren't using 4K. At least most of the people I know aren't using 4K. They're comfortable with 1080p. I'll do the odd 4K video depending on what I'm what I'm covering. So I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm on the, uh, I run an Elgato. I have considered running a 4K 60S, uh, and the beauty of that is that uh, it's portable. Um, I can take it with me if I go overseas, which isn't going to be happening anytime soon at the moment. And it just runs off an SD card, and it's quite handy if I ever do get invited to an event and I just needed to quickly capture something. But 4K isn't isn't a big thing for me at the moment. I mean, my monitor's only a 1080p one, just because of where where I work. Uh, but uh, if I want to see something um, pretty in 4K, I've got a TV for that, which is in the same room. So I usually just do the odd 4K review because I can. I, I think the thing for me is that I do get some footage in 4K. Like um, there's been some press events I've gone to where I got 4K footage or on occasion, yeah, on occasion like that. And I did have an Elgato before before this. One of the, the, the capture card I had before this was an Elgato. But now I'm, I'm using Ava Media because I got the Ava Media Mini as a review um, sample. And ever since I got it, I've been using it, you know, and it's, it's I would say pretty much every review I've done for the past year or so were done using that capture card that once it was on a console. And so it's a pretty nice piece of tech. I, I think other than that too, the only other times I have 4K footage is if I record from my PC because my monitor is 4K. So um, if I'm playing games on my PC, the resolution more likely is gonna be captured in 4K. And so those are the other times I would have 4K footage, but usually what I do is I compress the footage down to 1080p. Even if it's 4K, I compress it down to 1080p and, um, and use that. Because other than that too, I'm considering storage space. I am running low on storage space. And then not just that, but also when I upload, I don't want a big file. 
and so i just want to upload something small and good enough sometimes i even upload in 720p so it's a uh, a thing where again most people i know from the the algorithm from certain algorithm the youtube analytics and stuff like that i can see most of my viewers don't use for um 4k they don't watch videos in 4k so for that reason i'm fine sticking with it i think once i see a huge uptick in in viewers from on my channels wanting 4k like watching 4k then at that point in time i'd be like okay well then there is uh, a need for it there's a need for me to actually start investing in and doing more 4k footage but for now we good <laughs> yeah like in, in my case i'm just giving people the option uh i'm gonna hold off on hdr recording because i've been having sort of issues trying to capture footage in hdr and that's something i'm still working on and hdr can be a, a bit of a nightmare to to edit um at least with uh, at least with my setup and my setup isn't something to sort of uh scoff at mm -hmm. I, I think for me with, with hdr it was when i whenever i um i tried it it always just looked washed out and it was like basically just bright and washed out on the screen and you know after that i was just like you know what i'm not using hdr for capture anymore because i tried it with um with my pc and i tried it with my playstation 4 pro and both times washed out look whenever i captured footage from it and so i just I actually switched off the hdr it's not it's not enabled in, on anything i'm using right now even though the mo my monitor supports it i don't use it for my games or um or anything like that i just leave it off I do use um, like FreeSync and all that kind of stuff, but not for HDR is a no for me. I have to say my monitor is pretty, it's a pretty good monitor. Um, it's a Philips Momentum um, 326M and it's been pretty good. It's been a pretty good monitor. I mean, I've, I've only, I used it partially, I used it for most of, well, most of the latter half of 2019, a good portion of the latter half of 2019. I didn't use it for most of 2020 because I was in Trinidad for 2020 and my monitor was here in the UK. Um, and then when I got back, I've um, I've been using it again. It's still a brilliant monitor. I think it's a it's a pretty good monitor, 4K. Um, the only issue I have with, 4, with, with it as well is that it when I, when you use it in software on 4K, if it's not optimized for it, sometimes it just looks like the font and certain stuff just doesn't work because like for example my photoshop that i have is is um cs6 and um photoshop cs6 does not have optimization for um basically for 4k which i don't get because every other software has it you know so whatever reason doesn't have it and it's weird but say what it is um moving on we have another topic um atelier riser 2 lost legends and the secret fairy ex um what are your expectations for that game are you interested? Are you looking forward to it? Are you planning to review it? What are you... What's going on? Um, yeah, I am planning to review it. So um, at the moment, uh, I'm actually taking a, a short break um, from uploading anything right now. I've actually got two videos that uh, that's already in set to put up. But I figured I would um, get Riser 2 out of the way first before I put these two um, these two videos up. Um, I figured while I'm uh, while I'm having this wee break, I might work on um, some more videos so that way I create a wee bit of a, a release schedule, be more prepared than I was last year. But uh, when I uh, covered uh, when I covered Riser, uh, I think it was last year. It was pretty much the start of last year, or at the very tail end of 2019. There wasn't a lot of stuff I had issue with. And that's normally a good thing. If I'm if I struggle to complain about something in a in a review, uh, usually means I'm I'm very happy with what I've got. Um, 
it's got the standard JRPG uh, issue of um, of having different coloured enemies and bosses. Um, I know it's a standard thing to have palette swaps, but there was more palette swaps than variety of enemies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. And, I mean, they did try to to make them all differentiated, because at least the palette swapped enemies um, did drop different items when you beat them. I also found they could probably flesh out uh, some of the side quests um, a little bit. I found a lot of them was just uh, collect this, make this, uh, go to a cutscene, or just beat up an enemy, and you find that the enemy is like a couple of meters away from you. That's basically what Rise is. I mean, it's not just Rise. I mean, the Atelier games have always been that kind of stuff: collect item, beat up this, do that, and so forth. I think, I think more so, in a sense, like I don't think they expected it to be. I'm not even sure if they expected it to be what it what it became because it's sort of like Riser took over the entire Atelier series like it, it just grabbed onto it and just sort of became this its own thing like even though it's an Atelier game it's like a separate sort of thing from every other Atelier game because it's one widely popular outside of maybe the people who would have liked Atelier games beforehand and I think it's a lot more mainstream as well because the Atelier games were super niche like even among JRPG fans, the Atelier games aren't really like things that most J- you don't usually hear JRPG fans coming and saying, "Man, have you played Atelier?" Blah 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 blah. You know, most of the time you don't hear that. I I barely know any JRPG fans who play Atelier games. You know, most of the fans I know. I think the um, the Arlen series um, was where it sort of gained popularity for me. I mean, I have heard of the series. Um, there was um, it was the Iris series for the PlayStation Two. Um, you also had uh, Marie, which I think was the very first game. But Riser, interestingly enough, was actually my first foray into the series. Uh, while I did have um, the Iris games sort of in my uh, list of games to play, I just never got around to them, uh, which is the whole point of the name of my channel. But um, <laughs> when I covered Riser, it was more just my first... It was just more a, a look at a, uh, at a game in the series from someone who's playing a game in the series for the first time i mean i know i know with um, with alchemy and that collecting uh collecting and making stuff is is a given but i think they could have gone with um with a wee bit more variety i think with side quests but dare i say it dare i say it as much as i hate them maybe the odd escort mission might have been nice <laughs> i i think with, with riser um one of the things why you know now this is going to sound a bit a bit bad but listeners just just roll with it roll with it so basically the thing is is that the atelier games have always a- appealed at least from my um from my experience the people that i the you know the people i knew who were fans of it they've always a- appealed to a female demographic most of the, the the people i knew who liked the atelier games who would tell me oh you know my favorite jrpg series is atelier games um they were female you know and um Riser appeals to more of a male demographic because of her obvious appeals, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing that makes it so different from the other games. Uh, with regards to its gameplay, I think this time around with Riser 2, we, we are going to get a bit more variety in the fact that Riser can traverse in a lot of different ways, um, like swimming and diving and all these other things that 
wasn't possible in the previous games i think like you're saying with regards to the the mission variety and all that kind of stuff uh me most i don't think i actually would care for um for an escort mission um but i think i think more or less i want more story from it in the sense that i want it to be tied in like less just fetch quest kind of like go here do this click on this do that but i want it to be like a tight-knit story like something that's just what's the best way to put it that's more character based for progression uh instead of just something that flows a bit better um into the main story exactly i mean i don't mind side quests and stuff like that but i think i think most of most of the people coming into the riser series they're more interested in the character of riser and they're more interested in in what goes on around and the other characters and stuff like that involved more so than the actual gameplay in an atelier game you know because the gameplay in atelier games as i say it's it's it, it's very repetitive it's a very repetitive um gameplay loop and that because it's a repetitive gameplay loop people are going to get bored quickly i have to say though i do think that with this series it's going to continue the same trend that the previous version had with lots and lots of dlc costumes and stuff being charged extra as extra content they've already set it up um for you to purchase um dlc costumes already before the game even launches so there's a lot of things already prepped because there's even like a, a special edition or something listed for the game all right so it's not even like the game's not even out yet and we can expect that there's a, a there's going to be some other stuff so like for example the ultimate edition for the game um which is 84 pounds right 84 pounds 84.99 so that's 85 pounds is the price of the special the ultimate edition right and that basically doesn't include much else than the standard edition when when you go through the the whole scheme of things you know from what i'm seeing here it it just says ooh, it includes the main game to the riser blah blah blah, blah. oh okay so it's two games okay that's why it's priced that way the stand the regular deluxe edition just comes with a pre-purchase special blah 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 it's not really much you get like you just get like a a costume set but you get a costume set if you if you pre-order the game i don't know i don't get but i, I know with with the previous um riser game with with atelier riser um ever darkness and and the secret hideout that game had let's say it had a season pass like a, a sort of like a dlc pass that was like 49.99 which is like the price of the game because the game is 49.99 so it was 44.99 um and then it had these costume dlcs that were each at um 1.99 each for different costumes and then it had BGM DLC and then some story element DLC which was like $4.99 each and all that kind of stuff. So keep that in mind if you're going into these Riser games. Expect because it's Koi Tecmo. This is this is what Koi Tecmo does. They just try to kill you in the DLC. So <laughs> I am not looking forward to that again. I do not like um, all these take a bunch of content and sell it back to the, the player kind of um gotcha game kind of style that koi tecmo tries to take on um i would be more comfortable with it, with it if they if they would show that hey this is really really necessary um for us to make these types of games and we to balance the books and stuff i think if companies were a bit more transparent about that kind of stuff i would t i would be the first guy to say hey buy the dlc i'd be championing that shit um especially for series that i like but as it stands right now it, it's just fattening their pockets as far as i can see so 
So um, just to detract from the uh, from the negative stuff that we're talking about, one of the things I, I am looking forward to is um, it's good to see that you meet up with the old cast. I'm very interested to see how the um, how the time difference has shaped them as characters and how it's expanded on in the game. Because uh, I feel that um, the first game, it's the character development was something that was really was really good and i'm i'm all for character development uh in a uh, in a game i mean personally tales of the abyss is one of my um more liked tales games just because of the character development in that so i i am looking forward to just seeing how these characters have aged and what they're doing now or if they've changed what's caused them to change i, I think right now based on, on the images that i've seen so far of the game um, the one character who has physically looked like he's changed is uh, I can't remember his name right now, but the guy with the glasses. Um, he looks like he's physically changed. He looks like he's grown. Like he's a, he's he's also changed his weapon style, the choices of weapon he's using. I think in the image I'm seeing here, he's using dual blades, which will probably make him even more. Yeah, you're thinking uh, you're thinking of Tal. Yeah, exactly. So he's changed, uh, like physically he's gotten taller and looks cooler and all that kind of stuff um but looking at images of riser i mean riser just looks thicker which i mean that's a change but um you know all the other characters what is it the uh what is it the what is it that people say something uh thick thighs save lives exactly that's what that, that's that's the rule you know thick thighs save lives um i'm i'm actually interested to see sort of what's happened with lent because i think his uh, his attitude uh, in general has changed a bit as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, I'll be interested to see um, you know what's made him like that. Mm-hmm. Here's a quick question before we we move on with it. When do you think we'll actually get our hands on this? Because this is one of the things I've been having an issue with regards to publishers. At least for me, it's like this is one of the things that bugs me a lot. Is there used to be a time, at least I remember a time when you get review copies, at least for certain types of games like RPGs and stuff like that. You get a you get at least at least two weeks plus of time to work on it but now it seems like you're getting it a week out like a week out from release you get the key and i hate that because you just don't get enough time with it like you're rushing to finish your review instead of just savoring the game because with jrpgs i love to savor my jrpgs i love to feel like i've properly invested the time and i've done enough side quests and i feel happy in that now whenever i review jrpgs uh, i just feel like i'm just running through the jrpg just to, to finish the review and i don't enjoy that at all so i've sort of gotten used to that i've just assumed that uh, with any game that i plan to review that i get anything from a publisher uh, or from a pr network i base on the assumption that what happens if i just get it on release day what happens if I don't get a key at all? I mean, if I still really want to do it, I am prepared to just fork over the money, buy the game, and run through it for the sake of the review. I mean, if what I do helps influence other people in buying the game, uh, then I'm all for it. And regardless of whether I get the key a week or two early, or whether I get it on release day, or whether I don't get it at all and I end up buying the game, I'm still going to take my time trying to play through the game. I want to be thorough. I want to... Um, Make sure at least the stuff that I put in the videos is as right as I can get it. I, I, I get that. But for me, because of the fact that I, I do try to at least meet the embargo date. I mean, these days I... I mean, if, if it gets too close to the date and I'm still playing, I still haven't fully gotten into the game. I still... I just let it go by. I'm just like, well, fine. I'll just, I'll just put a review up later. 
but generally speaking I try to, to hit a bag with it because the game's coming out in 18 days from now and I know I've put in a request for a review, uh, a review copy I haven't gotten one uh, I'm assuming you've done the same yeah I've done the same uh, the game comes out uh, 26th of January uh, in my neck of the woods uh, because games normally release on a Thursday or Friday uh, it is officially uh, releasing on the 29th over here I think there's 29 for, for here in the UK as well, but I, I put in a request with um, with Koi Tecmo US, which was the 26th, so... Whereas I put in a request through uh, Koi Tecmo EU. Yeah, um, which, but here's the thing, Koi Tecmo EU usually puts out their codes, their codes earlier than US. That's the other thing, because there have been a lot of times where you got a key for something uh, a couple of days or a week before I do as well. That's happened a lot of times, actually. Um, there's a lot of times you're like, oh, I'm playing this game. And I'm like, I haven't got my key yet. And then, like, a couple of days later, I get an email, here's your key. How did he get, you know, like, is Europe just, like, that much ahead or something? I don't know. Usually it's uh, Europe or anywhere outside the US that gets shafted. I mean, there has been times where it's been the opposite way around. You've gotten something before I have. Yeah, well... There have been, but I think more so when it comes to JRPGs, especially like when it's publishers like Koi Tecmo and Exceed and um, and those guys, it tends to be that Europe gets it first. I think when it comes to um, when it comes to them, um, because anytime it's it's like um, Senran Kagura, you get it before me. I guarantee you, every time a Senran Kagura review or any title that's in that series comes out, you get the key before I do. It's usually about a week or a couple of days before. On the plus side, there isn't any new Senran games coming out, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> I think that's a, a worry I'd like to have. <laughs> I think that's a, a valid worry I would I would definitely left, um, love to, to take on. Um, that being said, that aside, uh, a little bit of a backside to, to the whole review process to, for those of you listening and, and interested in, in how it all works. Um, how about let's talk about anticipations for 2021 we're in a new year um and obviously new games and new stuff coming on and so forth what are you what are you most expecting for this year what's your biggest expectations for 2021 uh my biggest expectation to be honest with you um is something that was almost 20 years in the making uh so this got announced on new year's day and it's a remake of a visual novel that got me into reading visual novels in general. Oh. So at the very end of December 2000, mm-hmm. Japan received a visual novel called Skihime. Uh, it was an Eroge visual novel, so it did have um, it did have sex scenes and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005, uh, Skihime got a fan translation from a uh, group called Mirror Moon, and that was my first exposure to a visual novel, and it was also my first exposure to the Type Moon Company. Um, so I'm a bit of a hipster here uh, when it comes to Type Moon. I've always been I've always been firmly in the Skihime and Melty Blood fence than I have been on Fate Stay Night, Fate Hollow and Araxia, or Fate Grand Order. Uh, I just feel that uh, Skihime, Kara no Kyokai, that sort of stuff interests me more. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I do get interested in the whole Fate side of things as well. Um, but Skihime is where my loyalties lie. And finding out that the game's uh, the game's remake, which was first announced in 2008, um, is finally happening and is coming out later this year, is something I'm really looking forward to. And given Type Moon's popularity nowadays, uh, the chances of it getting an official English translation uh, is also much higher. So my biggest expectation is hoping that this game does get an English release, because I am going to 
definitely look into it. And usually when it comes to visual novels, I do have a bit of a rule that I try to sort of avoid them. Uh, this is ironic because those two videos I have in reserve are visual novels, of all things. Because there's there's not a lot I can really talk about without trying to spoil it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I get that. But um, Skihime uh, will always be uh, will always be something I'll make an exception for. It's the uh, it's the visual novel that got me into visual novels. It got me into Type Moon, um, so it holds a very very special place uh, in my heart. Okay, uh, that is probably the biggest thing I am looking forward to uh, to this year. I do have a couple of other things I'm looking forward to. Example, uh, there's also the new Story of Seasons game, Pioneers of Olive Town. I think it's called. Uh, that comes out in March, yeah. and uh, I'll always put some time aside for a Story of Seasons or Harvest Moon game. Uh, heck, I'm even um, cautiously optimistic for uh, Harvest Moon One World, so chances are I'll be looking at that too. Really, Harvest Moon? Mm. I have to say, I'm I'm kind of yeah, I'm I'm quite a forgiving person uh, when it's come to, when it comes to Harvest Moon. I mean, Natsu may have taken uh, Harvest Moon in a in a slightly different direction, and I do like some of the stuff they've tried to implement. Uh, but it doesn't seem to quite have that magic, that uh, story of seasons, and that's the thing. Even games like Stardew Valley uh, now have. But I still think it stands on its own two feet in its own right, uh, even if Natsuma is just using the uh, just using the name now. And the general idea of One World is something that's interested me. So I'll be I'll be interested to see how that flies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So something I would be surprised about and uh, this would be left field for me, is if something does happen with the Senran Kagura series, because uh, last we left off, there was a mobile gacha game, Japan only, uh, Shinomas, which also got an anime as well. Uh, there's also the teaser for uh, Senran Kagura 7, um, which hasn't really sort of uh, amounted to anything yet. So that will probably be that will probably be the dark horse of um, 2021 for me, but yeah, uh, the Skihime uh, remake finally getting a release date uh, that has probably been the best best news I've had so far, and uh, it ranks quite high up there. And the year's only started. The year has only started, um, so that is true. There's, there's quite a lot of um, a lot to look forward to for this. Um for this year if, if you're a gamer and you're looking for some good some good old-fashioned JRPGs and all that kind of good stuff coming out for the year or visual novels or just any game in, in general because there's a lot of things um, there's a lot of things scheduled for the year so far and there's a lot of things that haven't been announced yet that I know for a fact will probably get some sort of like surprises along the way that are just going to get us like oh wow this is this is, I'm looking forward to this I really want to get into this and so forth um, for me I'm, I'm hoping that we that we do get a bit more from Atlas this year on PC. I'm hoping to see more ports um, following the vein of um, Persona 4 Golden. Um, and I'm just hope, generally speaking, hoping for a lot of ports to the Switch as well um, with other titles. Um, you know, things like, like um, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Um, I'm hoping a lot of Wii U games get ported. You know, games like Xenoblade Chronicles X and, um, and quite a lot of others titles that were on the Wii U and would make it great on the Switch. And especially, um, hope you know hopefully they price them along the same lines as um no more heroes was priced because that was really um competitive you know because you know nintendo tends to do like oh 60 bucks this game has been out for like 20 years 60 bucks still you know so hopefully they they put stuff on the on the switch and it's it's good competitive price as well you know somewhere around say the the 20 to to 30 um pound sort of like um brackets so say okay great that's 
I can easily invest in that and, um, and actually, you know, pick it up and feel like I'm not being ripped off, you know, because it's it's just a port and to that extent. Just a question here. I mean, I know you're quite, uh, you're, I know you're quite into the Persona games, uh, but how do you feel about the games in the Shin Megami Tensei uh, series? coming out i mean you've got a i've always found shin megami i i mean you've got shin megami tensei 3 nocturne coming to the switch and then you've also got uh shin megami tensei 5 on its way as well uh, so i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that because i i'm a big i'm a big mega ten head as well and um chances are once three and five comes out i'll probably cover those too i think the thing with shin megami tensei and me uh, you know outside of persona is that those games seem i've played a couple of them but i think what persona does for me a bit more than the average in megami tensei game is that it i don't really have to invest a lot of um of time and and, and thinking to sort of like play them i think i think with the, the shin megami tensei games is that they're so deep and so rich in content especially mechanics they're just so rich in in, in that sort of aspect of, of play that you do really have to sort of invest yourself deeply into them and i think time wise because of you know what my schedule is like and and you know all the things that i, I tend to get up to because I, I get up to a lot of things at the same time it's really difficult for me to sort of like say yeah you know what i'm just gonna give all my time to, to shin megami tensei game and because i know it's something that i will have to give so much time and effort to i just tend not to invest in them as much and this is um keeping in mind that i do own um shin megami tensei games like on my 3ds and stuff like that and i've played them in the past but i've never played any of them to completion i've never uh, you know the only titles i've completed were persona games because they're a lot more light in the the gameplay mechanics you know um, games like Nocturne and so forth. I don't, I don't actually see myself ever completing Nocturne. <laughs> you know, Nocturne seems like like a life effort. You know, <laughs> it seems like something you're gonna have to just like. Um, also, it seems like a bit of torture to that extent because I tend to like the the whole slice of life feel of titles like Persona, um, whereas the average Shin Megami Tensei game is more morbid. It's more like end of the world kind of evil shit happening, and you know you don't really have that sort of. Um, fun light-heartedness that you'd get from something like a persona title yeah i get you the good guys were just as bad as the bad guys exactly <laughs> i mean granted um shin megami tensei is is a deeper title the, the regular ones have more i mean granted you can find deep shit in persona as well but in the average shin megami tensei title is that it, it just it goes so there's a lot of depth to the the characters and the the morality systems and all that kind of stuff in play but that depth is what scares me it's the fact that it's the same reason why i don't play a lot of western rpgs um games like like for example like divinity original sin and so forth those things require so much time and effort just to sit down and just grasp and invest your your mental capacity into to sort of like fully um appreciate it especially like for example if you if you play games the way i do where you start playing the game today and maybe you mightn't play it again until like next two weeks you know by the time you come back in next two weeks you've forgotten all the mechanics you know you're like well how the frack do i do this now <laughs> you know so i mean i just finished uh, i just finished playing some Baldur's gate 3 with some friends and um that was sort of the that was sort of the vibe that we were getting. We hadn't played in a couple of weeks, and we we're trying to figure out what was actually going on, where we were up to, or what we were doing. That's the thing. 
I'm usually pretty good at keeping track of where we're at in the story, and I mean, even with the couple of weeks, I was struggling to sort of work out where we were. We figured it out in the end, though, which is which yeah. is all good. Uh, that's the thing. I, I think inevitably you will, especially if you have help from others, you will eventually come to to understand where you were. Um, but I think it's for reasons like that why I haven't given the Shin Megami Tensei title such a good shake because I just don't see myself being able to keep up with them. And to that extent, it, it, it seems like I would, if I were to then purchase one of those and start playing it, it feels like I'd just be wasting money to purchase it and play it rather than if I were to actually know that I would get into it and actually, you know, invest the time and complete it and, and so forth. Um, because time is, I think, the, the biggest um, factor involved with regards to the choices of games that I play. Not necessarily the games themselves, but it's, it's about the time. So if, um, if the time investment isn't that much, if it's not a ridiculous amount of time for me to actually invest to complete a game or get the hang of it or whatever have you, then I'm happy to do it. But if the time investment is, is a massive time investment, I don't want to do it because to me it just seems like... It just feels like I would lose so much time that I could be doing other things with, you know, because in a given day I could be like gaming and having a good time and then next few days I don't touch a controller, you know, because I have so many other things to do. Alright, so that being said, can't play games like that for, for very long. Um, I do, I am happy for the fact that they're, they're coming to the, the PC and they get imported to Switch and whatever have you and so forth. I am happy for that because I know... Um, I know a lot of people are going to find a lot of value out of that, and especially, it never hurts to have more JRPGs. Me, personally, not going to be playing them. I just don't see myself that happening. Uh, Persona games, you, you dump a Persona game on any console, I want that shit. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Um, Tales of is the same thing for me. I am a bit skeptical about Tales of Arise, because new engine, new art style, all that kind of stuff doesn't really sit, sit well with me, but I'll still play it because it's Tales of. Um... Other than that, I think the only game that the only other game I, I think that I'm super keen on this year is um is Poison Control. I think I don't know if you you've heard of that one. Have you seen Poison Control? Yes, um, Deep Onichi Software, right? Yeah, yeah, them, them, them guys. Yeah, I've um I've requested to cover that one as well. Yeah, I put in a request as well myself. Um, I'm looking forward to, to checking that out because one, it's you know, it's going to have some good etching in that game. I can see that based on the, on the content. And also, too, it's, it looks like it's just going to be light-hearted. Like, I can get in, sit down, enjoy it, and then, and then you know, complete it in a, a couple of days and, you know, write a review rather than, you know, something I'm going to just lose myself in. So, looking forward to that one as well. Should be good. There's a part of me that, um, that gets vibes from... Oh, what the heck was it? Uh... The Princess Guide, I think the game was game was called. I should know this. I reviewed it. <laughs> there, there were sort of vibes from that, but uh, I mean, I mean, I'll just wait and see. I'll play the game. I'll type up my thought. I'll type up my thoughts. Get this review done, and you guys will see how I feel about it when we get to it. I'm looking at that game. Let me see Princess Guide. This is a dungeon crawler, eh? is it? Sort of, I guess, in that sense. Interesting. I think I've seen. I think I may have seen your review. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, uh, anything else you got? Uh, anything else you're looking forward to this year? Um, uh, there is, but I'm I'm actually working on a video for those. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. No, I, I I know the feeling. I mean, I, I like I like my surprises, and that's why uh, 
Uh, that's why I haven't jumped right into into revealing what those two videos I've got in the uh, background are. The only person that actually knows is my um, is my co-host mm-hmm. because I've already assigned them episode numbers. Oh well, okay. So for me, I've got I've got a video already re- scripted out for um for it. I just have to record it. Um. So yeah, you guys will find out about that soon enough. Soon enough, it will be up. So I do have I do have expectations. I do have um. A lot of titles I'm looking forward to, other than the ones that I've mentioned so far. I've specifically picked titles that don't include the ones that I've mentioned here today. So, pretty much there will be there will be new expectations coming soon. So, yeah, pretty much. So I think we've gotten to the end of the show, haven't we? Uh, uh we haven't actually discussed what we've actually played this week or lately. Oh. Um, okay, let me see. What have I been playing right now? Uh, so, uh, to kick this off, uh, what's new with you, Q? <laughs> I've been... Sorry, I really like that line. I'm going to have to use that every episode. You, you, you should. You definitely should. <laughs> you definitely should. I think for me, it's been... Let me actually grab my Switch, because I, I don't remember shit. My brain is broken. Um, I've been playing, well, Metro for, rev- for stream... Uh, I've been playing Naruto Stomono. Which Metro game, sorry? Metro 2033 is the first one. Uh, I take very long to finish. Uh, 2033, yes. Yeah. I, uh, I love that scene in the library. What scene in the library? You'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> I did try playing some One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, um, but that game is just not that fun. I don't enjoy Musou games. Um, I, unless it's Sinner and Kagura, for some reason. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for One Piece, I just don't like it. I guess maybe it's because I don't like the art style for for Pirate Warriors. I think if it had a more colorful, vibrant art style, I probably would have liked it more. Um, played some House of Golf with the family as well. Overcooked two. Um, let me see what else is on here. Oh, Bravery Default. I um two. I played the, the demo for that. That was actually pretty, um, pretty interesting for for the most part. But I'm looking forward to the final product, like the actual game itself. Um, so yeah, those are the titles I I played the most. I was gonna um, I was gonna play a couple others, but time got in the way, so couldn't play them. What about you? What have you been up to? So continuing on uh, with that time I played Dark Souls just to get reference footage and end up beating it. I figured I haven't actually finished a game in the Dark Souls trilogy. I finished Demon Souls when it originally came out on the PS3. So I decided I'll start with the next game in the series. I'll start up Dark Souls 2. So I've played through Dark Souls 2 and I've beaten Dark Souls 2. There are bits in the game that I don't like and there are bits in the game that I do like. The complaint that I have with Dark Souls 2, and I think it's fairly common, is that I felt the difficulty of that game was a bit too artificial. There's a part of me that just doesn't like walking into a room just to find that there were five enemies in there wanting to kill you at the same time. Yeah. And then walking into the next room and finding out that there's five more enemies there. Or uh, finding out that just about every enemy encounter you have in Dark Souls 2 is an ambush. (laughs) Uh, There's also that one door, and I think it's a location called the Lost Bastille, that when you open it and walk into the room, it's not actually a room, you just fall to your death, it leads outside. But hey, Dark Souls 2 looks pretty. Um, The game, interestingly enough, despite my monitor only supporting 1080p, it locked itself to 4K. Okay. So all of the screenshots I took when I was playing through Dark Souls 2 were 4K screenshots, and uh, they look they look great. <laughs> you say it like 1080p is like the worst thing, though. You're like, oh, well, my screen is 1080p. Oh, the horrors. Don't you have like a 4K telly or something? 
I have a 4K TV, but um, because of my workspace, I can't really have a much bigger screen than what I have now. So the screen I'm actually rocking is a 1080p screen that still uses a DVI input. It doesn't even have HDMI. Uh, It's about 10 years old now. Damn. Can't you plug your, um, like, run an an extra long HDMI cable from your PC to your your telly then? Because they're in the same room, I'm assuming. They are in the same room, but there's been a bit of a stigma that the computer doesn't look so great when you output it through a TV as opposed to through a monitor. So I've never really bothered with it. Oh, I get that. I don't know. It's just it's just the way I just the way I work, I guess. I, I get that. I get that. There's, there's certain times when when for me like I I just I find like for me less so gaming, but when I'm working like I feel like I get more work done when I'm sitting at my desk. <laughs> when I'm sitting in front of the computer here by my keyboard and everything like that, I feel like I get way more work done. Especially when I'm reviewing games. If I'm laying in bed trying to play a game for review, hmm. maybe 30 minutes and I'm probably looking to pass out. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel tired. Oh, let me just get like one more press, 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 sleep sleep yeah i get i get you uh i sometimes do that when i'm covering um when i'm covering story of seasons or um harvest moon rune factory etc but back to dark souls 2 the version i got was the um scholar of the first sin edition so it has all the dlc with it the dlc for dark souls 2 you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it Mm -hmm. Uh, i was a bit of both really uh more on the uh i did not have a lot of fun with it I, I persevered through it, I beat the game, and what I might do during my break, or what I might do between reviews, is I might go through Dark Souls 3. Because Dark Souls 3 is actually a game that, that the channel did cover, it just wasn't me that covered it. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how my experiences in that game goes. Okay. Intuistian. I mean, generally speaking for me, I've always found the souls like games. Not to the extent of the Shin Megami Tensei games, I've just found them torturously difficult obviously if i spend enough time getting my my muscle memory and button presses perfect i'm pretty sure i'll I'll ease through them but do i actually want to spend that time doing it the answer is no Um, (laughs) give me easy games i play my games on on normal difficulty and if it gets too hard i go to easy these days that's just how much of of a casual um game i've become i'm ashamed of myself The other thing that you would have probably seen um, is I played a game called Mass Builder. So it's a it's a giant robot game because uh, who would have thought I like giant robots, right? So you would have seen uh, you would have seen what I've been making lately in Mass Builder. That game is still in early access at the moment. There's still a lot more stuff coming out for it, and I'm looking forward to it. Hell, I might even review it once it's done. Mm, okay, into Westian. Because uh, customizing and building robots uh, is something I really, really enjoy. Uh, Gundam Breaker taught me that. Uh, Damon X Machina taught me that as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Mass Builder seems to be very, very detailed with its customization. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the key thing I love about that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I will say, I think for me, the best um, mo- sort of like mobile suit titles, I, for me, I like the Gundam ones. I like, to, I like to hop into a good mobile suit Gundam game that's, um, especially when it has a good story and the characters and, you know, yeah, it makes it, it makes it pretty good. It makes it pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's it. That's me there. Um, <laughs> so, so with that, uh, so with that, we draw to the end of episode two. So, um, thanks for tuning in and catch us next time for the next episode of the Skill Points podcast. Yeah. 
Bye, later. See you later. I'm still getting the hang of this. <laughs>